Hello everyone. Happy New Year 2020. Welcome back to Life Coaching. This is Mike Fitch. This episode will be much easier said than done. Anytime you start talking about people's children, you are treading on dangerous territory. You might agree with what I say. You might see the things I say in other people, but it will be really hard to see and implement these things in your own life with your own kids because we all have parental blind spots is what I like to call them when I was teaching and coaching. Some people's parental blind spots are the size of their fist. Some people's parental blind spots are the size of a Volkswagen bus. So I guess kind of depends on how people see their kids, the perspective that they take with their children. We all want to make life easier and better for our kids. It's natural and completely understandable characteristic for all parents to possess, but there are limits to it. At some point, helping your child becomes aiding and abetting. It gets to the point of diminishing returns if you do not see opportunities for learning to come from failing, for disappointment to be a necessary outcome. I'll be speaking as a parent, a coach, and an educator uh, today. I have experienced parents at all levels of ability through my career. Every parent loves their child. Every parent wants their child to be better off than they were. To have more, to have it easier, to deal with less hardship, turmoil, drama, disappointment, etc. But sometimes, in an attempt to accomplish these things, we as parents do more harm than good. As a teacher, I would see kids all the time that when attempting an assignment in my class would simply say, just tell me where the answer is. Just tell me what to write down. Now, the easy thing for me would have been to do just that. It would have gotten them away from my desk, or it would have kept them from incessantly raising their hand. The hard thing would be to guide them to the answer, promote discovery, help them find it themselves, but not do it for them. I have a feeling these same kids were the ones whose parents did their projects for them in elementary school. You know the ones. You walk in on completion day of the projects. Parents can come in and preview what all the kids in the class did. And you walk in to view all of the projects only to find a handful that were certainly not done by an eight-year-old. They looked like they were done by a 42-year-old with an engineering degree. Those parents are setting a bad precedent. They are so focused on the outcome, the perceived intelligence or excellence of their child or their parenting ability that they are enabling. They are telling their child that the outcome is the most important thing. Not the process, not the learning, not the failing, not doing your best and accepting outcomes. So more of a the ends justifies the means type approach to parenting. Again, I'm not saying this is easy. I am in no way a perfect parent by any stretch of the imaginations. It is so very difficult to see your child struggle. Sometimes you want to help them out of sympathy. Sometimes you want to help them out of your own frustration. 
step back and remind yourself they need to figure it out. What is going to be most beneficial for them? Guide them. Answer questions. Better yet, ask questions. But do your best to not do it for them. Do it with them. Let them appreciate the feeling of having to really grind and overcome to accomplish something. At school, we had very, very well-intentioned parents come into the office all the time, very politely demanding the most advanced classes for their kids. A lot of times, in spite of fierce opposition from said children, who were not all that anxious to take calculus by the time they were a sophomore, and we would sometimes have to officiate between fights between parents and kids. And in the same breath, those parents would want some type of soft, subtle guarantee that their child would never get anything less than an A, be a valedictorian, graduate with honors and handfuls of college credits, and escape high school relatively unscathed. It was not only an unreasonable request, but also highly counterproductive. Some of the healthiest kids I saw come through the school were allowed to navigate the gauntlet that is secondary education with some, but not much, guidance from parents. Of course, informed parents knowing what's going on and making sure students are being challenged but not overwhelmed, and the decisions are made in the best interest of the child and not the ego of the parental unit or units were also common. Parents need to understand that kids want to go to school and enjoy it. Not that they don't need to be challenged, not that they don't need to be productive, but there has to be a balance between overwhelming a child and living vicariously through them and making sure that you're just doing what is in the best interest of your kid. I learned a very valuable lesson when my son was eight. He was lucky enough to be playing on a competitive baseball team. It was a nine U team. And he was one of a couple of eight-year-olds that were on the team. The degree of excitement felt by our family at our son playing for the team was palpable. We were optimistic and potentially unrealistic. As the season wore on, our son got less and less playing time. It was a competitive team, and the coach played to win, which he had explained to us. We all knew what the expectations were. This left a few kids short on playing time. We as parents were understandably agitated about it in spite of the fact that we knew it was a competitive team. We never said anything. We just figured we would let it play out. We were not sure how he was supposed to get better if he was not playing. But I had heard all of these arguments as a coach, too, and I understood that sometimes that's just the way it goes. We took a step back and saw... He was not, at that time, one of the better players on the team. He just wasn't. He was younger. He didn't have the skill set of some of the older kids. And he wasn't as athletic as some of the older kids. It was his first experience with competitive baseball. And so there was a very steep learning curve. We were anticipating the question coming from our son as to why he was not getting to play very much. And so we had discussed it beforehand. It finally came, and his mom got to field it because that's who he was with at the time. We had discussed our response prior, and it has served our son 
better than I could have ever imagined. His mom basically told him to figure it out. We told him we don't know why he's not playing, but it would make sense that it is because he is not as good as the other players or does not give his team as good of a chance to win as the other players, at least in the eyes of his coach. And really, when it comes to this, that's all that matters. We love him and think he is very good, but we asked him if there was something else that he thought he could do to figure it out. What could he do to get more playing time? Did he think that he could play better defense? Did he think that he could probably hit a little better? He wasn't real happy about the answer, I don't think, but he thought about it and decided after talking to us that committing more time to improving his defense and his swing would be a good place to start. He was going to have to outwork people. He was going to have to put in countless hours because he was young and behind, and he did just that. At that point, something clicked. And he decided to commit every free moment um, to improving. And luckily, we had resources. We are friends with very baseball knowledgeable people. We tapped into that resource, and our son took advantage of it. He developed a work ethic that is best described as tireless. He wears us out. If it's baseball season, all he wants to do is work on baseball constantly. The same goes for football season, basketball season. If we're in the gym, you have to drag him out. If he's in the cages, you have to drag him out. If we're throwing the football around and he's running routes, he does not want to stop. It's always one more pass. He grinds. He refuses to be outworked. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm not saying he's the most talented. What I'm saying is that us not enabling him and challenging him to figure it out made all the difference in the world to his mindset. Regardless of his talent level, he knows how to work. We don't tell him that he's talented. We don't tell him that he's smart. We don't tell him that he's the best. We tell him that he works harder than anyone else. We tell him he has to work harder than anyone else. And then we celebrate the hell out of his work ethic and his accomplishments. Whether things come easy to him or not is beside the point. If he always works to achieve what he wants, then he will achieve to his maximum. I nor his mother had any idea that us taking a step back and putting the onus on an eight-year-old would have such a profound effect, but it did. It has established a precedent in us for both of our kids. Love, but do not coddle. Support, but not blindly so. Help them figure it out so they can attack life on their own and not need us to fight their battles for them. They will and need to experience disappointment. And then they will need to figure out how to get over it, get past it, get through it. I know a lot of people that work in higher education, and this is baffling to me, but I hear them tell stories all the time of helicopter parents following their children to college, not always literally, harassing professors about grading practices or policies, harassing the registrar's offices about classes that either are or are not offered, wanting to eliminate obstacles and hardships for their kids even after they leave home. I set a goal for myself a long time ago as a parent to make my kids as self-sufficient as possible as early as possible. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Hell, maybe it's just because I'm lazy. But I don't want them to over -rely, overly rely on anyone. They need to be independent and willing to fight for what they want rather than somebody always fighting their battles for them. 
This comes up with my daughter more than my son. I have to constantly remind her that she can do it by herself. She is so concerned with making sure she does everything right, everything perfectly, that she wants help to guarantee she doesn't make a mistake. She's very conscientious that way. She needs to fail. We have to work to find opportunities for her to struggle. We have her in 4-H and sometimes working with her animals is not always the easiest thing for her and she gets really frustrated, but keeping her in 4-H and making her overcome that obstacle and work with the animal and see the progress is probably the best thing that we've done for her because it does not come easy to her and most things do come easy to her. School comes very easy to her. She picks up on things very quickly. Even athletically, her muscle memory is very good. She's very natural. But I worry because she needs to struggle and she needs to overcome, which is one of the reasons that 4-H has played in. We've been cognizant of this, and I think it will help because she is a worker. It's not a, it's not a lack of work. She will put in the time, even if it's easy. She doesn't take it for granted. She's very, very disciplined. She only has to study for spelling tests for about 30 seconds to be able to pass it with flying colors but she will spend those 30 seconds preparing for it, whatever she needs to do. But we need to continue to make sure that she is challenged. Otherwise, when she does fail, it will be crippling to her perfectionist mindset. I'm not claiming to have the answers to parenting. Our kids are ridiculously different, and I am not naive enough to think that we are not screwing them up, <laughs> especially me, in some way. I have seen ridiculously good parents, people that I consider very balanced, very intelligent, have kids that really struggle through life and other parents who could barely take care of themselves that raised some of the best kids I ever met. Uh, parenting is a roll of the dice. It just is. You know, if you have more than one kid, how can they all be so different? But I'm simply saying that what you can do for your kids is let them figure it out, regardless of their ability level. If you are succeeding and excelling at everything that you are doing, then I question whether you're doing yourself any favors. At basketball practice, we would tell kids if they did the drill perfectly, they were probably not going hard enough. They were probably not challenging themselves enough. Or we as coaches did not create a drill or a process challenging enough to make them get better. The challenge in practice was to make sure that once we got drills down to where they seemed easy or we were super efficient, we had to purposely complicate them and make the drill a bit harder or more complex. The goal a bit more distant, just out of reach. If there is a comfort level, then no progress is being made. Not saying comfort isn't a good thing in your life. It is, but growth is very vastly more important, especially for young people. In scheduling for basketball, we always wanted to play bigger and better schools. We had to be challenged. We would regularly lose a handful of games because our schedules would be brutal. Other teams in our league would go into the conference schedule with one or two losses because their preseason schedule was comprised of some smaller schools, and we felt like that would not make us better. We did not want to lose. We wanted to be challenged. People get really caught up in winning and losing, and it's really not the main focus. At least it shouldn't be. We did not want to lose, but we sure as hell were not afraid of it. 
You cannot fear losing or failing. It is how you figure out what you're made of. Everyone is great, happy, cooperative, smiling when things are going well, when you're winning. You learn about people during adversity, after a loss, after a disappointment, after a death, after a tragedy, after something catastrophic. That is where you find out what people are made of. Let your kids fail. Promote it at times even. Challenge them until they fail. Some kids, this won't take much. Others will require amazing challenges to find a point where they don't accomplish or win or succeed. And yet they still need those challenges. In adversity, we learn our greatest lessons. Too many well-intentioned parents in an effort to give their kids more than they had try to remove any and all obstacles to their children's success or ease in progress or promotion. Unimpeded success is not the answer. Overcoming, figuring it out, is what will make your kids resilient, tough, creative, resourceful, and successful. You cannot be there all the time to remove impediments or pick them up after they falter. So prepare them for failure so the first time it happens, it isn't crippling. So that it's an obstacle to be overcome, not an impassable barrier. They need to know what it is to fight and scrap and claw to earn something or even fall short of something before they leave home. It will make them stronger. It will humble them and it will ground them. Figure it out. That can be applied to life beyond parenting, at work, with other family members and friends. Don't overhelp. Let people stumble and fall a bit in order to discover answers. Discomfort is a necessary component of growth. Being humbled is not a bad thing. It makes people more willing for input, for advice, for guidance. All of a sudden, they're seeking answers instead of thinking that they know all the answers. As soon as you think you have it all figured out, you need to immediately tell yourself, no, you don't. What can I do to remind myself that I do not have it all figured out? We need to provide support, but not always answers. That doesn't mean we turn our back and just watch people flounder. We provide love and compassion, but not always solutions. We help them up, but we do not carry them. People get so consumed with winning that they fail to realize there can be success in failure. If you literally committed yourself, and some, yourself to something 100% and you did not accomplish the desired outcome, that in itself is successful because all you can do is all you can do. But it should open your eyes to improvements that can be made, skills that can be honed, advice that be, can be taken, questions that can be asked, expertise that can be sought. In the end, you learn a hell of a lot more from losses than you do from wins. And coaches and teams are big on this. They will hinge their entire success on whether they want a state title. Was the season a disappointment? You'll see it in college ranks. You'll see it in the NFL. Was the season a disappointment because you didn't win at all? I personally think the most successful season we ever had as a basketball program was in 2009 when we lost the state championship game. In 2008... We had a very dominant team. We won the state championship, and we only brought back three guys off that team. And in 2009, we basically replicated 
the success of 2008 in a very, very different way. We did it with a very special group of very tight-knit individuals that accomplished amazing things. And when we lost that state title game, we were all much more sad that it was over than the fact that we had lost. That to me was success. And nobody could tell me any different, regardless of whether we won the state title or not. Who learns more? The eight-year-old who sees his mom doing his science project for him and earns an A-plus on it, or the kid who's required to do it himself and gets a B-minus? The A-plus does not generate any reflection, any growth, any learning. The B-minus can be analyzed. What could we have done differently? Maybe start it earlier than the night before. Make sure you have all the supplies you need before you have to do it at the last minute. Maybe give it the necessary time and attention it deserved. Maybe brainstorming different ideas to find the best option instead of just going with the first idea you had. Reflection, improvement come from disappointment. Winning, to the contrary, can be unproductive. If you do not prepare well, if you do not give your best effort, if you half-ass something and win, that engenders the wrong message. It hardwires the wrong approach. It establishes bad habits, rewards inefficient processes and behaviors. In basketball, I hated losing with a passion, but I learned very early on that you cannot be so blinded by a desire to win that you miss the lesson you can learn in losing. I'd rather have had my teams play really well and lose than play really poorly and win. Now, not necessarily in the state title game, as that's the big one with no additional games to go after that, no more lessons to learn. So give me a bad win there anytime. It always amused me when our program was rolling and we were winning a lot. People loved to come up to us after a close game, a close win, and say, whew, you almost lost that one. You can never satisfy people. After you become successful and winning is assumed, you now have to answer for how you won. You know what? If I almost lose every game in my life, I will be very, very happy. In games, as in life, figuring it out is the key. There's something to be said for winning ugly. A person or group of people that refuses to lose regardless of how things have gone. It's a hunger. It's a fight that exists in winners. But in winning ugly, the message cannot be lost. We won that game due to our toughness, our resiliency, maybe some luck. But these things need to improve. And sometimes that's hard when you win. They look at you and think, whatever. We just won. What are you talking about? When you lose, you tend to have people's rapt attention. They are open to feedback. They want to get better. They hate losing. They want to improve and avoid the feelings and emotions that go along with losing and failure. 
Because as I have said, the enemy has to be greater than the apathy. And bad winds can create a false sense of security, laziness. They can reinforce bad habits and make you make ridiculous assumptions. So how will your kids handle adversity? How will you handle adversity? Will they point fingers, blame coaches, bosses, friends, coworkers, parents, genetics? Or will they look at themselves and say, what could I have done different? What could I have done better? Will they figure it out and see obstacles as challenges to be overcome? Or will they roll over and let life walk right over the top of them? All the while looking for someone to blame, someone to point a finger at. I think the best gift any parent can give is to make their kids resilient. Make sure they can bounce back. And just like getting sick, if you inoculate yourself, if you give yourself a small dose of the sickness, you give your body a chance to build immunity. If you lock yourself in a room in an attempt to avoid getting sick, all you're doing is make yourself more susceptible to getting a crippling illness. Small doses of failure are just like a flu shot. They lay the groundwork for resiliency, the ability to fight back, because failure makes you stronger. If you try to keep your kids from experiencing any failure, any disappointment, you are doing them a grave injustice. It can be scary. It can be intimidating, debilitating, overwhelming. Unless you have been adequately challenged in your life so that you understand failure is not a reflection of your worth. It happens to everyone. And it needs to be dealt with in a healthy way, not feared and avoided. Failure is inoculation for life. And the key is not the failure. The key is how the hell you respond to it. So in, pariah, in spite of the parental instinct, the desire to help at all costs, please take a step back and see what it is that's in your child's best interest. There is no cookie cutter answer. All of your kids are different. They all require different degrees of help. But in the end, they all need to be given the tools to figure it out. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.